Welcome back to Knocked Up, the podcast from Women's Health Melbourne with Dr. Raelia Liu. Welcome, Raelia. Hi. We're talking about luteal phase support and I said, oh, what on earth is that? But actually, as soon as you explained it to me, it's quite simple. So, luteal phase support. Maybe we'll start with what's luteal phase? So... The luteal phase is half of the menstrual cycle that happens after ovulation. So the, the other two weeks. Yeah. It's usually 12 to 14 days. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, so the luteal phase is really important for implantation. That's, you know, kind of the first half of the menstrual cycle is about getting the lining of the uterus ready to receive uh, the embryo and the also about the preparation of the and maturation of the dominant egg for release. So it's kind of like the prelude to all the other events. And um, in terms of the luteal phase, it's talking about the phase when the follicle has released the egg and then the ovarian function switches from being all about making the egg that could potentially be the baby to supporting a pregnancy hormonally. So it, the ovary and the follicle that release the egg become something called the corpus luteum, which means yellow body in Latin, but because it looks yellow, actually. Uh, if you look at it laparoscopically, a corpus luteum looks very yellow, thus the name. But the purpose, the sole, sole purpose of the corpus luteum is to make progesterone to support the pregnancy until the placenta of the baby takes over. Okay. So... How are we supporting it? Why does it need support? Well, the, the progesterone production is really important in nature. So it's, it's just um, a hormone that really drives the process of implantation. And if you, studies have shown, this sounds really unethical now, but when people were figuring out what all of these things were doing, if you actually remove a corpus luteum of a woman who is pregnant or of an animal that is pregnant, the pregnancy fails. So the progesterone production from the corpus luteum is critical in keeping the pregnancy alive um, and it's independent, it's a factor that's independent of how good or how normal an embryo is. So if the progesterone production is inadequate, either in a natural pregnancy or in an IVF pregnancy, the pregnancy will fail. So it's pretty important. Um, and... Luteal phase support is routinely used. When, when we say luteal phase support, what we mean is artificially giving extra progesterone um, or giving a hormone called HCG, which can drive the production of more progesterone. Um, it's routinely used in IVF. So how would we know if someone needs it? Well, everybody needs it if you've had an IVF-stimulated cycle. And the reason for that is that during IVF, when we're giving medications to stimulate the ovary, we need to stimulate the ovary in a controlled way. So we need to prevent premature ovulation before egg collection. And we need the ovary to uh, develop more mature eggs that can be collected and then fertilised outside the body. So we generally give medication to stimulate the ovary and we give medication to prevent premature ovulation there's various ways of doing this but it's that those are two common factors of every stimulated IVF cycle and what those medications do is they cause a luteal phase defect so they 
feed back to the hypothalamus and pituitary gland and because we've given the IVF medications, not enough natural levels of hormone are made throughout the luteal phase and so not enough progesterone is made by the ovary because the messenger system to tell it what to do are not working properly. So in a stimulated IVF cycle, it's critical to give some extra progesterone and most of the time that's commenced a couple of days after your egg collection and most of the time that's administered either vaginally um, or orally or intramuscularly um, as a form of progesterone. Orally... Progesterone causes a lot of side effects. So a lot of the time it's given vaginally um, and intramuscularly or under the skin as an injection, subcuticularly. Um, it can be given orally. It just it makes you really drowsy. It makes you really swollen. It gives you really sore boobs. It puts you in a foul mood. And so you just finished an IVF cycle. Yeah. And so you're feeling amazing anyway. <laughs> so um, so that, that's the reason that it's not given orally, just because it causes a lot of side effects given orally. And um, women find it very hard to function when they're taking a lot of oral progesterone. We certainly haven't spoken about anything being given vaginally yet. How, how is that done? Well, it's a little bit like tampon use. You insert. So you can insert a pessary. Often they're compounded pessaries that are waxy in nature. And there are adjuvants within that pessary. So not just the... What's that? Adjuvants just mean extra stuff to make it a preserve, to make it you know, stick around to make it, you know, able to be delivered. Um, so it's a compound, not just progesterone purely. So um, sometimes people can have a reaction to what's in the pessary that's not progesterone. It's very rare to have a progesterone allergy. It's practically unheard of. Um, there are a few cases where it can happen that you can get a progesterone dermatitis, but... It's very, very uncommon. If you're, if you're having a reaction to progesterone pessaries, it's much more likely that you're allergic to something that's been mixed in with the progesterone to keep it in its form and to have long release characteristics and things like that. So you can actually, if you have had a really bad response to progesterone and you need to use it, you can actually have it compounded in a hypoallergenic way or a preservative-free way. Your doctor just has to know about the fact that that can be done and organise it through a compounding pharmacy um, and I've done that for patients many a time when, when the standard formula causes irritation locally, just like any product can cause a local reaction. So can progesterone. Um, it can be um, given in a capulet, which is like a little standardised um, capsule form. It's similar, you insert with a finger or with an applicator. It can be given in a gel, so with the a, with a applicator that you insert and you know, kind of squirt the gel mm -hmm. into the vagina. So there's lots of different formulations um, and it can be given as an injection which can be into the muscle or in, under the skin. Um, injections are obviously painful whereas vaginal application, especially for women who've used tampons and things like that, is pretty acceptable and readily doable. Some of the different formulas to give progesterone, you have to lie down after you insert it and just allow it time to absorb, whereas others you don't. So it just depends on whatever you're using. And I suppose whatever is available where you are in Australia, we're lucky we have a lot of options, but not every country does. So um, I suppose what you use depends on where you are. We tend not to use HCG very much in IVF for luteal phase support. 
The reason being that unlike giving progesterone, which is the end product you desire, when you give HCG, it's basically trying to get your body to make more progesterone and that can actually stir up hyperstimulation. So it can increase the risk of a woman who's had an IVF cycle becoming hyperstimulated, which is a side effect of IVF. So that's why it's generally not used. It can be used, but it's generally not for that reason. What, what happens if a woman doesn't have luteal phase support and they need it? Well, the pregnancy will fail. And there are, there are some people who have a true luteal phase defect outside of the context of IVF. Um, it's not common. It's not common at all. And most people who think they have a luteal phase defect actually don't. But there is a subset of, of women who present with infertility or present with recurrent miscarriage in the first trimester or present with a short menstrual cycle um, where their period comes earlier than expected after a pinpointed ovulation. So they've got a less than 12 to 14 day luteal phase. And they truly do have luteal phase dysfunction where their own corpus luteum burns out too early. Um, and doesn't make enough progesterone. And in that subset of women, supporting them in the luteal phase will help them have a healthy baby a lot of the time and identifying them from, you know, kind of the majority um, takes some careful cycle tracking. So if you are worried that you might have a luteal phase deficiency, what you need to do is see a fertility specialist and you have to have your menstrual cycle documented over more than one month where the timing of your ovulation is pinpointed with ultrasound monitoring and blood tests and the luteal phase length is documented with hormonal blood tests in that context. And if your luteal phase is truly short, then that's where using progesterone medication after ovulation and until you are at the end of the first trimester may help you achieve a healthy pregnancy. Given that the average menstrual cycle is 28 days, if someone has a short cycle, do they need luteal phase support? Well, not everyone who has a short cycle shorter than 28 days has a luteal phase defect. Absolutely not. Um, It's quite normal to have a cycle that's as short as 25 days. Um, the, The critical thing is the length of time between ovulation and your next period. And a lot of women who have a short cycle just ovulate after a shorter follicular phase but the time between ovulation and when the next period comes or doesn't come in the case of pregnancy is still 12 to 14 days. Most women actually have their menstrual cycle shortened as we get older because that's a function of our ovarian reserve depleting. So it's quite normal for someone who had a menstrual cycle that was 28 days when they were 30 to have a menstrual cycle that's significantly shorter when they're 40. Um, And that's just part of normal ovarian ageing. But a true luteal phase defect is when the follicular phase of the menstrual cycle as the egg's getting ready is normal, ovulation happens at the normal time or the normal time for that woman, but the time between ovulation and the next period is shortened because there's not enough progesterone production by the ovary. How would luteal phase support be used in an artificial cycle? So an artificial cycle is when we do an embryo thaw cycle with fully supported hormones. So it's not a natural cycle. So a woman doesn't actually ovulate herself at all. And we manage this by giving sequential estrogen and then progesterone. And then a pregnancy test is done two weeks after 
the embryo transfer or 10 days after the embryo transfer, if the pregnancy test is positive in an artificial cycle, that pregnancy is 100% reliant on the hormones that a woman is taking, specifically the progesterone. So in an artificial cycle, the progesterone that we give, either vaginally or in the other routes that we talked about, has to continue till at least 10 weeks of pregnancy. And often, sometimes I keep it going just a little bit longer. If the progesterone is stopped, the pregnancy will fail, certainly before the 7 to 10 week mark. So it's absolutely necessary to continue. Whereas with a natural cycle, which where a little bit of progesterone has been given for luteal phase support, or in a standard IVF cycle in a stimulated cycle, the progesterone can stop around two weeks after the embryo transfer. You mentioned that luteal phase support stops when the placenta takes over the support. How do we know that's happened? When does it happen? So in, a, in an artificial cycle where we're giving 100% of the hormonal support, we have to wait until the placenta takes over progesterone production and, and is the dominant source of progesterone to support the pregnancy. And that happens between gradually between seven weeks and ten weeks on average. And so we tend to overlap a little bit so that we, can't, we, don't, we don't want to withdraw progesterone support too early. But in, a, in an, a cycle where you do have a corpus luteum, so you have ovulated um, or you have had an egg collection, so either in an IVF-stimulated cycle or if you have a, um, a cycle where it's a natural thaw cycle or a natural conception cycle, so you have ovulated in those contexts, you have a corpus luteum and we tend to withdraw progesterone support when the HCG levels from the pregnancy, the pregnancy hormone levels, are high enough that we think that's going to drive your own ovary to make an, an adequate amount of progesterone. So for a stimulated cycle pregnancy, most of the time we take away the progesterone support around two weeks after the embryo transfer. In a natural cycle, in someone who's had a luteal phase deficiency, I'll tend to keep it going a little bit longer than that. Um, and in a natural cycle where a natural conception has occurred in someone who doesn't have a luteal phase deficiency, well, then you never needed to give any progesterone um, because enough would have been made naturally by the corpus luteum and then especially after the HCG levels from the baby are, have picked up and are really driving the process. So it's, it's a clever system in nature that, like all systems, sometimes goes wrong. And like in IVF, it's our fault that it's gone wrong because we've messed with it. Um, so we need to know how to manage that situation. And put it back to the way it should be. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Knocked Up, the podcast about getting pregnant. For more information about Raylia, Women's Health Melbourne and how to get pregnant, please visit womenshealthmelbourne.com.au or find us on the socials under Women's Health Melbourne or you can send an email with any future episode requests to podcasts at womenshealthmelbourne.com.au. See you next week.